glad that you joined us. Uh, whether you're here today or at home, thank you for taking the time and making the effort to, uh, uh, to be here, to connect with us. Uh, I believe that it's going to be worth it. I believe that what you're going to hear from God today, and, and that's what's important, what you hear from God. There are going to be a lot of things that I say, and not everything I say is for you, but there is something that God has specifically for you, and he knows it, and he wants you to know it, because what's important is that rhema word. It's a specific word for a specific person, for a specific situation and time to empower us and enable us to overcome. Because that's what God has for you. God has for you to overcome. And you know, in a time that we're living in like today, uh, there are a lot of things that come at us that we need to overcome, aren't there? Okay, about four of you have things that come at you that you need to overcome. I know it's more than that. All of us have that. Uh, but we could, we could easily be overwhelmed. Is that not true? Uh, we could be uh, frustrated and uh, experience a lot of different things that would cause us to just want to check out. Now, I don't know about you, but last year there were moments in time where I, uh, I, confession is good for the soul. The Bible says confess your faults to one another and you'll be healed. So I'm, I'm about to be healed. Uh, I, 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 I complained to God last year. Not surprising? <laughs> and, and there were times that I even said to God, you know what, I, I, this is too hard, I quit. I'm the only one that did that? Gosh, you guys, you guys are much better. God, thank you for allowing me to be a part of a church of people like this. We're all the same. But you know, uh, quitting is something that nobody wants to admit to, but all of us entertain it at some point in time. And uh, I was in a meeting with my pastor's pastor. My pastor's pastor, Jonathan Del Turco of International Family Church. His pastor is Tommy Barnett. And I was in a meeting with where Tommy Barnett was speaking, and he said something that just kind of caught me by surprise. And I had to, have, have you heard things at, at a point in time where you had to stop you couldn't listen to anymore. You had to kind of process that thing. And, and Tommy Barnett said, you know, it's okay to want to quit. And I was like, where is he going with this? And he said, it's not okay to quit, but it's okay to want to quit because what that indicates is you're actually doing something. And, you know, if you and I have a feeling that we want to quit at some point, it's because we're doing something. The enemy's trying to stop you from doing what God has for you to do because you're, you're affecting uh, other people's lives. And, and we all we all tend to want to quit. But listen, the only way uh, that we aren't going to experience what God has is if we quit. Um, there's a lot of fear in the world that we live in. And God's word says he's not given us a spirit of fear, uh, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I haven't counted them, but I've heard over and over that in the Bible there are over 365 references to not fearing. And that's at least one a day. And, and that's because, you know, we face a lot of things. But there, there are some big fears. Does anybody know what some of the biggest fears are that people have? Yeah, death is one of them, that's right. Uh, public speaking is another one, I can attest to that. Um, but, but there's another one. One of the things that causes a lot of people not to uh, step out and do something, exactly, one of the biggest fears that people face is the fear of failure. Now, there's a, a teacher that was teaching a course that was a juggling course. Um, and I didn't take it, but I've, I've read about this. And what the teacher did at the first class, the teacher, and they weren't juggling balls. They, they had them juggle like little scarves. And the reason why was the scarves take longer to fall to the ground so you can catch it. And uh, the teacher said, okay, everybody have your scarves? And they said, yes, we have our scarves. And, and the teacher said, okay, now take your scarves in your hands, throw them up, and let them fall to the ground. There was a puzzled look over everybody's face. And, and one of the students said, well, I don't understand. That's not what we're trying to do. 
No, it's not what you're trying to do, but you're going to do it, and you might as well get it over with now and realize that you're not going to be perfect. You know, that's such wisdom. Because so many times we don't want to try something because we're afraid we're not going to do it perfectly. Now, I love you all. I love you at home. I just want to tell you a truth because you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. There's not a one of us here, none of you at home. None of us are perfect. None of us are going to do it perfect. We're all going to grow in our development of, of learning how to do things. And, and we're going to have choices along the way. And that's what we've been learning about. We've been learning about choices. Choices that affect us, that affect others. Choices that positively affect us, that negatively affect us. And, and, and God's given us the freedom of choice. And so we're, 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 we're people that are progressively moving into, if we're following God, the fullness of the blessed best life that he has for us. And the only way we're going to do it is not perfectly but we need to continue to, to progress, to develop. And, and that takes effort, it takes time, it takes intention. And uh, today we're going to finish up this series about the blessed life. And uh, we began it with a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 and 20. And it's where God is indicating uh, that he has given, today I've given you the choice between death and life, blessings and cursings, or life and death, blessings and cursings. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your descendants might live. Uh, and so we have choices. And really, the choices that we're choosing, no matter what choice we make, what decision we are confronted with, we're either choosing life and blessings or death and cursings. Okay? That's really the only choice. We're either going to go with God or something else. Anything else less than God is not going to give us life and blessings. And we're actually choosing death and cursings if we don't choose God. And then it goes on to say, and, and this is how you can make this choice by, what's the first thing it says? Okay. Time out. I know you guys at home, you can speak out loud and it would be good because whenever we engage, it's a good thing. But I need your help here. I'm going to ask you some questions. Don't, it's an open book test. All right, you can't get, well, you could get it wrong, but you won't get it wrong. So he says you can make this choice by what? Loving the Lord your God. All right, then by what? What's the second thing it says? obeying him and the third thing is committing yourself what firmly to him so if we're going to choose blessings and life we have to love God we have to obey God we have to commit ourselves firmly to him and then it goes on to say this is the key to your life so in all the decisions we make we're either going to Love God, obey God, commit ourselves firmly to God and get life and blessing or we're not. And if we don't in our decision do what is loving God, what is obeying God, what is committing ourselves firmly to God, what we are actually choosing is death and curses. And so it's important that we have that reference point. Every time we make a choice, we're, we're only choosing between two things, either what God has or something that will rob us of what God has. And we began to look at, at a man's life who made four choices that are the same choices that we need to make in our lives. It's pertinent to us today. It is uh, so important that we recognize these four choices because we've got to make these too. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, uh, we looked at Moses' life. And, and uh, when Moses became of age, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So there were three choices, three things that Moses did that we need to do. And we looked at them. We're just going to quickly reference them. The first thing that Moses did was he refused, right? And, and that's a pushback. 
the world, the Bible tells us the world is trying to squeeze you into its mold. And we know that because we know the pressures that are on us today from all different directions to conform to the thinking, to the values, to the ways of the world. And right now we need to realize that the ways of the world are bringing death and curses. We all in agreement on that? If you aren't in agreement on that, you may choose some of the ways of the world. But just like Adam and Eve, they chose something other than God. Did they honor God by their choice to eat of the tree? No. Did they love God? But in that moment, were they showing their love for God? Were they obeying God? Were they staying firmly committed to God? And what did they get? Death and curses, and it's the same thing that happens with us today. That's why we've got, to, we've got to refuse to allow the world to define us, allow the world to direct us, allow the world to control us with the values and things that they have. We cannot do that. We have to push back. So Moses pushed back. He refused. The second thing he did, he chose. What did he choose? He chose to be mistreated along with God's people, rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. All right, sin for a season. There's only a short season that sin is enjoyable or pleasurable. And so he chose the right thing. He chose God. He chose God's people instead of enjoyment and pleasure. He had to make the hard choice. And you can't make a choice until you've got room to make a choice. That's why he refused, then he chose. He chose short-term pain for long-term gain. And many times in our lives, we've got the same situation. Are we going to have some discomfort? Are we going to be willing to deny ourselves something that we naturally may want, but it's not the best? It's not what God wants for us. You know, this past month, we have taken time to pray and fast. We've chosen to deny ourselves. We've chosen to push away some things, to take a step towards God in prayer. And hopefully there's been something that's happened in your life that you've, you've gained from this. And, and you've obviously, all of us have developed some, some habits, practices that will help us stay stronger in our walk in a fallen world. And, and, you know, even though this is the last day of the month and we had said we were going to pray and fast for this month, I would encourage you to continue to do some of this along the way because it's, it's only going to benefit you when you step away from the world and the things of the world to step to God. Amen? And so uh, he, he, he chose God. He, chose, he made the difficult choice, but it was the best choice. And then it says... He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as more of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead. He was looking ahead to his reward. That, that regard we found out was really determining value, what's valuable, what, what you treasure, what's valuable in your life. And last week I asked you uh, the top three things that you value, you need to be able to uh, define them in three in five seconds in five seconds you should be able to say these are my three top values and and for all of us as christians here in church you at home if we're walking on the street if we're swimming if we're eating our number one value has to be the number one value all the time what is the number one supposedly number one value in a christian's life god that's right right answer but then we have to choose to not just say God's the, the number one value, the most important thing, the biggest treasure in my life, but we have to walk that out by showing, by loving him, obeying him, committing ourselves firmly to him. Anything that would not honor God, anything would, that would not align with God, uh, we need to say no to. We need to say no to. And so Moses, he was willing to experience disgrace for the sake of Christ. God was more important. God's plan was more important. God's people were more important. God's ways were more important. Whatever it was that was being offered in place of or in opposition to God, he said no to. Now this, this 
regarding or determining values is the critical key to all of our lives in making decisions because if we don't define what's the most valuable, then number one, we're going to have a real struggle every decision we make. If we have defined it, it's going to be really much easier and clearer for us to say, oh no, that doesn't line up with what my number one value, number two value, number three value is. And, and if we don't know that, then we're going to make decisions for the moment and momentarily uh, mo decisions made for the moment in that environment usually are not looking down the road long range and we t end up paying a price because we get off track. So these are the, the three choices he made. He refused, he chose, and he valued or regarded. And now we're going to look at the final choice. Now, valuing things is the key to being able to make the other choices. Because Moses valued God, his people, God's plan, he was able to push back and refuse the world. He was able to choose to experience mistreatment. And, and you know, shame or, or whatever it might be, disgrace, because he had made that determination. Now today we're gonna look at the fact that there is something else that has to happen because how many of you know you make a choice and then you either follow it out or you don't, right? You know, we're, we're past, we're almost at the, the beginning of February, which means we've had all of January to walk out what we had determined we were gonna do before this year started, right? And what do they call those things? Resolutions. I resolve to do this. And those usually don't last real long. Because we haven't really determined, is that really what we value? If we really value it, we will. We'll walk it out because it doesn't matter what comes. What we've determined is what we're focused on, what we resolve to do is more valuable than what the other options are. In, in verse 27, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, this is the last choice that he makes and this is important to us. It says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He what? Persevered, 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 right? Uh, he endured, the King James says. He endured or persevered. Uh, endurance or perseverance. If, if you're going to get endurance, do you just say, I'm one endurance, and there it is? You know, we had somebody sitting in the second row in the first service, and uh, I had talked with, with this couple, and the husband told me, that uh, after the service, his wife, he, he was going to drive her out to Walmart and she was going to run from Walmart back to their house. Yeah, I, I'm looking at some of your faces. You're like, why would you leave a warm car? But, but this is a person who is an endurance runner. It's somebody who is a, an elite triathlete. And, and you know what? If my wife drove me out to Walmart to drop me off to run home, I'd see her in a couple of days. That's if I got a cab. But, but endurance is something that you build up to. And now the, uh, her husband was telling me, he said, you know, I run, but I run on the treadmill inside. And I said, well, you know, I do the treadmill too. I guess we're a lot smarter or we're just a lot weaker. <laughs> we can't endure some of the things that she does. But that's what you build up to. Folks, we build up to something. You don't go out and just run a marathon, Right? You've got to build up to it. It's something that takes intentionality. It takes value. You've got to value what you're doing so you keep at it. And so he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now we're going to look at this today and, and kind of break it down. It says by faith. This whole chapter that what we've been reading about Moses is in chapter 11, the, the faith chapter. And, and faith, what is faith? We, we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? And so what is faith? What, what, what's, how do you define it? How do you, how do you grab a hold of it? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the first verse in this chapter gives us some information. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance now, when it says substance, when you've got substance, what is it? It's, it's something that you got a grip on, right? 
Well, in this instance, this word means to put under as support. It's the under support, okay? Or another part of the definition is a firm assurance. Faith is the under supporting firm assurance. So there's something really solid under what we hope for. And, and the definition we know of hope, hope is a confident expectation of good. It's a confident expectation. So we have an under support, a firm assurance of the confident expectation of the good God's about to do. Now, if you're firmly assured about the confident thing you expect God to do, how easy is it going to be to convince you of something else? See, that's where we want to be in faith, but we aren't in faith because we haven't built it in. This isn't something that just happens. Oh, I got faith. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's not just hearing one time. You may hear a scripture one time and you may think you have faith, but you'll find out when you hit the test. Tests show us what we really have a grasp on. And many times we get tested and, and we fail the test because what we thought we really had, we don't. And it's not a, a moment to sit down and cry and say, oh, I'm no good. It's a moment to take stock, get up, and go back to work of building your faith by hearing the word of God. Not just hearing it, but meditating on it, memorizing it. You know, there's no better use of time than to put it towards the word of God. When you build this into you, you prepare yourself for whatever battle you encounter because you're not looking at your circumstances and situations. You're not looking at yourself. You're looking at God. And when you look at God, your faith arises. And too often we're looking at the things around us. We're looking at us. But if we're going to walk by faith, the only thing we can focus on is God and his word. And that way, we'll, we'll be firm. Firm in our assurance, in our confident expectation of, of the good God's going to do. And then it says, the evidence of things not seen. Of things not seen. Yeah, things that haven't been revealed yet. You know, when you order something online, are you confident that that's yours? Well, sometimes we have some challenges with how it's delivered. Yeah, you've, you've got a confidence. Most of the time when you order something, you know, you, you just expect it to come. You, you're looking for it because you're confident that it's going to come. But evidence, the evidence of things not seen, before it is visible to you, there's evidence. Now, if I have evidence of something, what what... What does it mean if, if I bring evidence of something, what does that cause you to do? Right, it causes you to believe. You recognize something that causes you to believe. So it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the firm assurance of our confident expectation of good that God's going to do that we absolutely believe before we ever see it. And that takes effort. It takes time. But it's doable. It's something that's worth doing. And, and so all of this is by faith. Moses did what he did by faith. You and I are supposed to do what we do by faith because if we don't do it by faith, we're going to get tripped up, we're going to fall down, and we're going to be tempted to question and quit. You know, we, uh, we all struggle with wanting to quit at times because things don't work out the way we want. We just want to give up. We want to not continue. And you know, if people did that that have influenced us, we wouldn't have a lot of the things that we have. Uh, Walt Disney. Walt Disney was fired from the first couple of jobs he had because they said he had no imagination. 
If he had taken that, you know, the Super Bowl winners wouldn't be going to Disney World. <laughs> um, what about Thomas Edison? You know, he didn't just create the light bulb. There are so many other inventions. He had patents on over a thousand situation things. And, and when he was asked about inventing, first of all, do you know that it took him a thousand tries to successfully make the light bulb? Somebody asked him, you know, how many, how many failures have he, you had? And he said, you know, I've found 10,000 ways that don't work in what I'm trying to do. But he didn't say failure. Do you know there are all sorts of things that happened that he developed because he didn't get what he was after, but he found something valuable. Do you know that post-it notes, the glue on the post-it notes, that was a failure? But that failure is being used by thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. It's, it's not a failure unless we quit. And that's where God has for us to persevere. Persevere. You know, and, and it says, by faith, back in, in verse 27, by faith, he left Egypt. Now, Egypt is a type and shadow of the world and the world's ways. He left the world and the world's ways. Exactly what we have to do. He, in the first thing, he refused. And that's, that's what we see. But he left Egypt. Now, that word left in the original King James Version and the word for left is the word forsake in King James. It's not a word that we use. Uh, he forsook Egypt. The only other place I know in the Bible that it has that word is where the Bible says, Jesus promised, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And you may think, oh, he's not going to leave us. But forsake is a specific word. It means to turn your back. All right? In, in a couple of, of ways, if I turn my back to you, you're talking to me and I turn my back to you, what, what is that? Yeah, it's rude. It's very rude. Likelihood is it's going to drive a wedge in that interaction and maybe that relationship, right? And so this is what it's saying. Moses turned his back. There was no going back. There was no looking back. And, and that's what it means. It means not to look back, not to go back physically, to Egypt, but there's another aspect of it. It's a hard aspect. It's, it's about our minds that we would not go back in our thinking or in our desiring. You know, sometimes we as Christians know we're not supposed to do certain things and so we stop doing them. We physically stop doing them. We don't go back to it. But our thoughts keep going back to it. Our desires keep going back to it. And, and if we allow our thoughts and our desires to go back, we're eventually going to find ourselves back there. And that's why it says, by faith, he forsook it. He turned his back physically. He didn't go back to Egypt, but he also didn't let his thinking go back to Egypt. Man, I really had a great time in Grandpa Pharaoh's house. You didn't know that he called him Grandpa Pharaoh? <laughs> Probably didn't. Man, I really, really, I have such a desire to have those nice meals that we used to. No, none of that. Because if you and I don't forsake, if we don't turn our backs on things, we're going to be back there before we know it. And so he did that. He, he turned his back on this stuff, not looking back, not going back. And, and so what he did was he turned his back and it wasn't even in consideration of fearing the king. He didn't fear the king. Didn't fear the king. This is Pharaoh. What could Pharaoh do to him? And he's almost anything he wanted if we're just looking at it naturally, right? But God was in the picture. And so he looked at the king, but what he did was he looked over the king. 
Listen, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know who it is that's trying to, to undo what God has for you to do, but there's nobody higher than God. You can go over their heads to God. Man, I'm telling you, this works. Debbie and I were, were looking at, at some choices we had to make, and, and we weren't in agreement. And Debbie went over my head. I didn't know it, but she was doing it in prayer. God, if this is what you have for us, then, then make me know and, and affirm it in him. But if it's not what you have for us, help him to recognize this is not what you have for us. You know, that's not manipulation because it's not directed at me. It's going to God saying, God, your will be done. Folks, we need to have God's will done. Do you remember how many, how many uh, choices, decisions we make a day? I shared with you that a couple of groups found that we make 34,000 a day. If we're not making those decisions at least open to God and many times inquiring of God, can you imagine what our lives are going to be like if we're just running our own show? Oh, yeah, you can because you've done it. We've all done this. And it doesn't turn out well for us when we're making the choices without God's wisdom and input and guidance because God doesn't guess about anything. He knows it all. So he didn't fear the king's anger, didn't fear him. That's, that's an amazing thing. Because naturally, we would want to fear, but we don't need to. Psalm 118, this isn't going to be up there. Verse 6, it says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? If God's on your side, what can man really do to you? What's the worst that can happen uh, if they do their worst for you? All right, let's just say they kill me. Not a, not a loss for me. Because all they're doing is sending me to Jesus. I'm going to my reward. I don't have to be afraid of what anybody does to me. Because whatever anybody does to me, whatever anybody does to you as a child of God, your daddy's going to step in and he's going to turn it for good. Oh my, I hope, I hope, I hope you're excited. I hope you're standing on your couch at home. And I hope we get excited about this because listen, this is exciting stuff. This is stuff to shout and scream and get excited about because you know, the world's not gonna get easier. And when the world gets darker and more difficult and more dangerous, we don't have to get desperate. Woo! Man, I can become more secure, more stable when the world gets more out of control and unstable because I'm not looking to the world. I, I, I'm looking at a God who never changes, a God who loves, a God who wants to do good, wants to bless, wants to bring life to me and blessing, but I got to choose. And so do we. All of us, we all have to make that choice each moment in that time. And it goes on to say, and he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Persevered or endured. You know, this word persevered, the, uh, the, the definition is to continue through difficulties, opposition, obstacles, discouragement, well, how can we do that? How can we continue through? Because you're not looking at what you're going through and you're not looking at yourself. You're looking at God and what he's bringing you into. Is God gonna bring you into something less than what you have now? Last time I checked, his word says he's gonna take us from glory to, oh, to the, the gutter. Glory to gutter. No, glory to glory. So no matter what you encounter, his plan is, and he knew you'd encounter it, but he also knew that he was with you and he could overcome it and cause you to be an overcomer, not push it aside and have you tiptoe around it, but go right through the teeth of it, overcoming and conquering in it. So the next time something like that shows up, you're not going to be like, oh. is that too dramatic? 
Don't, don't, we, don't we all become little drama queens? Drama kings? When stuff happens, we're like, oh my gosh! You know why that happens? Because we fail to see God. We're looking at what's going on. We're keenly aware we can't deal with this. And so we get overwhelmed. And we're just like, ah! You know, I, I put myself out there for you guys. I'm willing to look foolish. Because we all do. We all look foolish at times. I know some of us are like, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. You just don't let anybody else see it. But God does. And so we, we get overwhelmed. We get just, oh my gosh. Oh, and our minds run away with us. And we're like, we're down the block and out, the, you know, out of the county about what's going to happen before anything's really happened. It just showed up. But that's where our faith is. Because we're not looking at God. And if we look at God, we'd recognize God's going to work it for good. If we choose God. If we choose God. If I choose God, he's going to work it for good. But i got to make that choice. I can't choose what shows up, but I can choose what I do with what shows up. And when I do, when I, when I choose to persevere, when I choose to keep my eyes on God, you know, there's nothing that can stand against us. The Bible says, greater is he where? Who's in you than he that's in the world. Every time you confront something or something confronts you, you're not doing it alone unless you choose to ignore God. And I wouldn't advise it. So, so persevering. It's really two, two, there are two parts to persevering or to enduring. Because how many of you know you can't always keep going ahead at the speed you're going? Even driving down here. You know, I would love to drive right here to the church without having to stop at any stop sign or any traffic light, but they happen. And I'm not going to just drive through them. So I, I have an intention of getting here. I want to get here as quick as possible with as least annoyances as possible. And, and yet I'll get to a traffic light and I need to realize I can't go any further. How many of you know there are things that come into your life that you can't do anything about? I mean, they just come in and, and it's beyond your ability to control that. So what happens? You, you have to be persistent in progressing, but when you come to that situation that you can't do anything about and you've got to wait, you got to do it patiently. So really, endurance or perseverance is about persistence and patience. Persistence and patience. We've got to be persistent, and, and we also have to be patient. Patient in not being anxious or upset about why we can't go where we want to go and do what we want to do. But again, I, I, I'm, I'm getting off track because you don't, you don't deal with that. We're calm. We're secure. We're, we're, we're awaiting and knowing God's going to bring us through. He's going to bring that progress through that situation. And we don't have to doubt that he's sleeping. He's not on time. He's not got the best interest for us at heart. persevered. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and 2, it tells us this. It says, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinder, that hinders and the sin that so easily tangles us and let us run with perseverance. The race that is marked out for us. We need to run with perseverance. This is a marked out course. Who knows what's marked on the course? God. He's got a course marked out for you. You run with perseverance, with persistence and patience. You keep going as far as you can go as God's directing you. Then when you come to a, a situation you can't control, you can't do anything else, then you patiently wait, but you wait in faith, confident expectation, uh, a firm assurance of the confident expectation of the good God's going to bring to you that you absolutely believe. And so when you're waiting, you can wait just celebrating. 
Because you know this has got to go. Hello? See, sometimes we get overwhelmed when we think, oh, it's never going to, never going to end. Yeah, it will. It won't outlast God. God's going to have his way. It goes on to say, fixing our eyes where? On Jesus. This is how we persevere. We keep our focus on Christ. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. I've never seen him. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? You know what? God is like the wind. You don't necessarily see him, but you see his effects. And, and we have, there are some people that will be able to say, yeah, I saw Jesus. When I lived in the earth, Jesus walked around, I saw him. We didn't, we haven't. But what we do is we see him by faith. We see him through the Bible. We see him through what he does in our lives. We see him uh, through the effects and influence and impartation that he has in our lives. And, and so we hold on to that. We hold on to that really tenaciously. And that causes us to be able to persevere, to, to endure. And, and it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured. What? The cross. There is no one here, no one, any, well, I don't know about anywhere else, but I'm telling you, the likelihood is no one here in Rome, New York, or in Utica, or New Hartford, or Camden, or any place like that is going to endure what the cross represents. And Jesus endured it, and he did it for joy that was set before him. Man, he looked beyond the pain, the suffering, and the shame of the cross to what it was going to accomplish, to the one who is, he was trusting in his Father. You and I do the same thing. We look beyond it. Not we, we uh, just deny it. We aren't living in denial. We're saying, this is what's going on, but there's something bigger than what's going on. Whatever's facing me pales in comparison to the one who is with me and for me and is going to bring me into what what he has for me, which is good, which is uh, blessing and life, the blessed life, the abundant life. Um, looking, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Romans 15, 5, in, in the uh, God's word translation, it says, may God who gives you what? Endurance. God gives us endurance. How does he do that? You know, we endure things. We, we go through things. We persevere and, and it's because what we're going towards is worth more than what we're going through. Do you know every time what you're going through becomes more valuable, not necessarily in the positive way, it's more important than where you're going to, that's when you quit. But every time that what we're going towards is more valuable than what we're going through, we'll keep going through. We'll keep going through. And that's why we have to make God more valuable, not us. God more valuable than anything, and we'll keep on going through because he has great things for you. Remember, Moses looked, looked ahead to his reward. There's a reward for you. There's a reward for each one of us. But the God who gives endurance and encouragement allow you to live in harmony with each other by what? Following the example of Christ or following Christ. We're again back to the focus. Endurance is able to be part of us when we're following Christ, when we're keeping our focus on God because there's hope. There's a confident expectation, a firm assurance of a confident expectation of the good God has for us that we actually believe. We really believe because there's evidence. We, we know. Man, this is when you know that you know that you know when you can't see it. And that's what it takes. It takes believing overseeing. Believing in him, believing in what he said because God's not a man that he would lie. Then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, endurance and our focus, our hope in Christ. If you and I uh, push back, we refuse the world, we choose God, we value God, but we don't have an, a sh in endurance, perseverance, we're going to get off track. 
Too many Christians have done that. Too many Christians today are doing that. Because they're not keeping their focus on God. Their focus is on all sorts of natural things. It could be finances. It could be politics. It could be all sorts of things that are causing them to veer off. And, and they don't realize it. There's a clear connection between perseverance, endurance, and the focus on God. And it, it can't be. Can't be separated then back in hebrews eleven twenty seven, 27 it says by faith he left egypt not fearing the king's anger he persevered and endured because he saw because of what he saw him who is invisible does anybody have a difficult time with that if i said i saw him who is invisible would you look at me funny i would hope you would I would hope you say well, what are you talking about how can you see somebody who's invisible Listen, nobody's seen God. Not here in the earth, nobody's seen God. But the Bible says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The exact likeness. If we've seen Jesus, we've seen God. As a matter of fact, he told his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, who is Jesus? Well, in the Gospel of John, it says he was the word made flesh that dwelled among us. If you want to see Jesus then you need to get into the word and see who he is, what he does, and what it says. And you get a real clear glimpse of who, who Jesus is, who God is, and who God has for you to be. Because you and I are joint heirs. Somebody's a joint heir. Does that mean that they're going to get a little bit? If they're going to get a, the same amount as who they're a joint heir with. Right? This says you, as a child of God, are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, man. That's why we, we used to have a gentleman that came and, and would speak. His name was Elbert Willis. And Elbert, was, he was a great guy. But he would always do something when he came. Somewhere along the line, he would do what I call the Elbert Shuffle. Now, the Elbert Shuffle was a little dance that he did. Not so much a dance, but just a little step. And, and he would say, this is, how, this is what it looked like. I won't do it as well as him. I'm going on and on and on and on, on and on and on and on. He'd take little bitty baby steps. But he said, you know, I'm not stopping for this. This isn't going to stop me. That's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep going on with Jesus. And you know what he did? He went all the way to being there now. He's right with Jesus and he's still going on. And that's what God has for us, to go on, keeping our eyes on Jesus, not letting anything stop you, not letting people that don't like you and treat you badly, don't let them stop you. Don't, don't let a bad economy stop you. Don't, don't, let, don't let a mask stop you. Don't let an election stop you. Oh. Oh. I'm going to get mail. <laughs> I might as well laugh about it. It's okay. It's all right. Because he saw him who is invisible. Man, you and I can see Jesus. We can see him in the pages of our Bible. We can see him in what he's done in our lives. We can see him in what he's doing in other people's lives. You know, he's everywhere. He's doing all sorts of things. When I say everywhere, I'm talking about God. But it reminded me of a, a little, and I've got to end, but I, I just have a couple more things to say. So please just indulge me. Who will give me a minute? That's at least 30. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to hate to go to the dentist. And, and I would go to the dentist, and the only thing that was redeeming about the dentist was the magazine they had there. It was a magazine called Highlights. And, and I would read this magazine, and one of the things I looked for was the picture, the picture of hidden pictures. There was a picture, and you had to find all the little pictures that were drawn in there that you didn't see until you really looked for it. I want you to know there's a picture going on all the time. 
But there's a picture within the picture. Jesus is working. You need to see him working. And that'll encourage you. That'll keep you to, to enable you to continue to persevere and endure. Because there's, there's a reward. God has a reward. The Bible says God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, says this. If, what does that indicate? A choice. This is not a lock just because you're saved. This is a choice you make and enabled because you're saved, but you still have to choose. If we endure, we will also what? Reign with him. The Bible says you reign in this life through one Christ Jesus. This isn't just about eternity. This isn't just about heaven. This is about here and now and forever. You can reign. And when you reign, when somebody reigns, does that mean they, they're doing okay? They're just getting by. It's total domination. When you reign, you dominate. God has for you to dominate, not other people. Dominate your circumstances and situations. Be able to overcome and go through and, and persevere and endure till you see what God has promised and prepared for you. But it's a choice. I can't choose for you. You can't choose for me. We have to choose. Choose God. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. The first choice and the most important choice for us to make is God. Is allowing God to really have our lives. Giving our lives to God and receiving what God has for us. And, and I'm going to invite you to pray with me today. Maybe you've prayed this prayer before, but if you haven't, it's, it's really inviting God. As you recognize that Jesus paid a price for your sin and, and purchased forgiveness to be able to reconnect with the Father. And he wants that for you, but you have to choose to receive it from him. There's no other place you can get this reconnection with the Father except through Jesus. So I just want to invite you to pray today to have a brand new start. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came to the earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for me and was raised in victory. Today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I receive you as Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. I choose to allow you to guide and govern me through your spirit and your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.